This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. This week's episode is a chat with Georgette Gomez, the president of the San Diego City Council, who is also running for Congress. Super interesting person, loved speaking with Georgette. Also, hey, I am still telling you that I have some shows coming up that aren't yet sold out in Brooklyn and Los Angeles and also in Boston and also in San Francisco and Seattle. There's also a lot of sold out shows, but also just added, just added Minneapolis. I will be in Minneapolis in June. So if you look, if you live there, hop on over to CameronEsposito.com slash tour. Bye. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Yes, Georgia Gomez, uh, San Diego native, and uh, I'm currently the council president for the city of San Diego, and I'm also running for Congress. Ooh, um... I tell I don't even know that I know what a council president for the city of San Diego is. Could you tell me more about this job? Yeah, for sure. So the city of San Diego has this form of government that is strong mayor, strong council. What does that mean? That means that the council members uh, make the policies. We 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 legislate. We say we're going to do this, and the mayor implements. The council president what it what the council president does is. Um, I set the agenda. So everything that gets discussed, I'm the one that approves it or rejects it. Wow. So it's pretty, it's pretty strong. You sound legitimately very powerful. I'm trying <laughs> to understand what the mayor's role is then. What the mayor, yes. Like, so, what does implements mean? Well, well let's say that, uh, let's see, an example. We just uh, adopted a, I'm trying to think of something that, will resonate. So we adopted uh, how we're going to be addressing, we create we created this long-term planning document that lays out uh, steps and how we're going to be addressing our homeless population. So there's like a lot of, a lot of ways in which we can go about it, right? So the council heard it, we adopted it. Now the mayor has the responsibility to implement it. So he gets to choose, I'm going to pick a uh, D and E oh, type of thing. Huh. And I'm going to spend a uh, million dollars or I'm going to put $2 million to implement it. And so he gets to do those pieces at times. Well, that's the way it's supposed to work. Um, I think we're in year, I forget what year we're in, in this type of form of government, but in normally in the past, it's been the mayor setting the policy and implementing the policy. So I'm trying to, created different I'm so this to is new this is no, it's not new it's been into it's been in effect since um it's been several council members already I think I'm I'm council president number seven already hmm. um but so it's been there for a while but there really hasn't been uh we're still trying to figure out this strong mayor strong council just a balancing act of things because the mayor does propose policies as well in fact he does a lot so I'm trying to 
um, balance that and get my council members to to give me policies and bring things that will lift uh, issues for our community members. I was just going to ask, would you say that you're a step closer to the actual residents versus like what the mayor is Almost, serving? Yes. Y- y'all are more directly representing mm-hmm. people. Most definitely. For example, we go through every year, we go through the development of the budget, uh, which is really chaotic, uh, but it's a big budget. We manage a, a budget of th- at least $3.5 billion dollars. Pretty significant. Wow. Right. So the mayor. Way to go, San Diego. Yes, we have a lot of money. Yeah, it's, you it's do. A, it's a wealthy, it's a wealthy it city. It is a wealthy city. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm just going to ask you like a weird side question here. Yes. Is your biggest industry, I'm just going to, these are, um, I think it's, I think it's tourism and the military. I think those are your two biggest industries. Yes. Am I number, right? You are correct. The number one uh, industry uh, job creation economically wise is the military and then following is the tourism industry. So you're correct. Yeah, it's a very unusual um well compared to like maybe what I've seen elsewhere, I certainly have been to places that have such a strong military presence. Like I've been to Fort Collins, mm-hmm. uh Colorado. But I but what's unusual to me a little bit about San Diego is that if you drive down to San Diego from LA or if you drive up mm-hmm. from San Diego to LA, and a lot of people do that trip very often, like that's right. a pretty um, well-trod path. Mm-hmm. You pass um, bases yes. that are right off the highway and very close to downtown San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that proximity, you know, L.A. being like the second largest city in the country and then the and then San Diego being right on the path. I don't know. It just seems strikingly closer to a larger city than I've seen elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the the – the reasoning why, but I mean, San Diego definitely actually has got the largest military installation just in terms of the mm-hmm. the the massiveness of what it is. I mean, it's because it's on the water, right? And we're I, protecting like, I, I think it's I mean, water, protecting. I think it's water related and it's also definitely, it's geographically related. Yeah. Uh, where we are, where we sit. So we have the water. Multiple and then borders. we also have the borders. So yeah. yeah, so we have a lot of that going on. And that has to factor into, I mean, I'm imagining right now doing your job. Mm-hmm. Mass, how long have you been in this position? I've been, I got elected in 2016 as my. Holy. My girlfriend keeps on reminding me. Holy that I'm shit. Trump does <laughs> cohort. Um, and I. What a time to get that job. Yes. It was interesting because I was focused in my election. And that's all that was in my world, just mm-hmm. getting elected. So obviously the day of the election, we were celebrating and uh, not everybody was in the same position right? sure. just because it was a, a, a different moment for a lot of us. And But for us, the people that were in my campaign, the core team, we were ecstatic. But I also recognized that other outcomes were not the best for our society. Well, I also say that it's a wild time to get that job because folks that aren't as familiar with the geography of Southern California Mm -hmm. might not know that San Diego is, it's a, you know, it's a large prosperous city with a big budget. It's also very, it's extremely close to the Mexican border. Most definitely. It's, it's really close by. I mean, you can get to, from downtown San Diego, um, less than 30 minutes. You're right at the border. And you, so. and you feel it too in mm-hmm. not just the, um, not just like the demographics, but I mean, also I have been on the road there and had like, this is even sort of in a pre Trump era mm-hmm. had like ice stop traffic and do individual car mm-hmm. searches. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's like 
there's a there's a normativity maybe this is just an outside perspective you can correct me to um border patrol activity that's like not i mean growing up in chicago i wasn't seeing border patrol activity and i can only imagine that's increased massively oh yeah most definitely i mean living at the border you're it, it becomes it's been such a such as like the the militarization of it, the protection of it, even though when you see it and you're there, experience it, it's completely different. It's peaceful. It really is just in terms of the people moving back and forth. Right. But the way that we have militarized it and really have made it very much. Um, I think that the, the way that government has treated the border in a negative way, we have created the violence that is being hyped up. So, but it, but really, it isn't about that. Uh, and right now, so over the years, yeah, you see a lot of that. You see the border patrol. You see ICE stopping people. And now, after the, the 2016, we have seen ICE border patrol targeting elementary schools, and it's been more increasing in terms of just the uh, ability of immigrants feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have created a, a political environment that has pushed people even further into into just this defense. And, you know, it's valid. Um, and it's been very unfortunate because it, it shouldn't be. Um, and uh, But we're going to continue moving forward. And, and for me, actually, the district that I represent, it's a huge population of our immigrant and refugee community. I have a lot of Muslim community members that are housed in my district and because of the Muslim ban and just everything that has been targeted for a refugee community, there's there's just a sentiment of negativity, of hatefulness. And I've been stressing significantly to my community members that now there's I'm here, I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna push as much as possible to really create a a welcoming environment to to people that are trying to flee dangers, dangerous uh uh, environment, so we shouldn't create that here. Is that the district that you grew up in in San Diego? I grew up, uh, like I said at the beginning, I'm a San Diego native, and I grew up not that not that far from where I am now, probably five miles, a little bit um, um, closer to the water, right next to downtown San Diego. Um, I in this community called Barrio Logan that is literally right next to the water, but the water side of things is where the military operates. Yes. So you have a lot of industry, and then you have a freeway right above it, and then right next to, on the other side, it's a freeway. So my community is this tiny community that was divided by freeways, and then industry, industrial um, businesses came in. So that was the community that I was born in. So right for me, the premise of trying to do better um, and trying to influence government, because I was a community organizer before I entered into politics, uh, working on pushing electeds to do the right thing for community members. It was because where I was born and I just felt that my mother decided to bust me out of the community. So seeing that trajectory, seeing how my community was when I was growing up, there was a there was no grocery store. My grocery store was a liquor store. Right. So going and then my park was surrounded by freeways. Um, that's just a reality. And then going into this more affluent, more wealthier community that they had actual parks, mm-hmm. not by the freeways. They you know, right. parks. They had grocery stores. It was just yeah. kind of like, OK, what's going on? Right. So just over time, just learning that, experiencing that and questioning really started getting me to, OK, the all of this is because of 
elected to making decisions yes. and treating certain people differently because of your skin, because of your where you come from, because of your um, income levels. And that's just a reality that we have embedded in, in, in our society that we have treated people differently. So I'm a believer that we shouldn't do that. <laughs> and government has to do right. And that's what I'm trying to do now. So your family, you were born into this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Your family's history in San Diego, how long has your family been living there? My parents immigrated to San Diego in the 70s, I believe. Um, and where and did they immigrate from? From Mexico City. Uh, they actually left this um, tiny little town called Chilapa, Nayarit. Uh, Nayarit is where Tepic and Mazatlán and Puerto Vallarta, those are the major tourist destinations. Uh, beautiful, beautiful city. Um, it's based, the, 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 their income earnings are based on agriculture. Um, but because just uh, over the years, major corporations are trying to buy out the smaller agriculture community members, um, their, their economy got wiped out. So oh, wow. they so were the, the literally major... forced out to kind of, okay, look, let's look for something else because we have children. We have to feed, we have to feed them. We want them to get a better life. So that's why they came over here just because the, the agriculture industry just, it, it, it just, it was, it was cheaper. This is a community that grew corn, beans, chilies, tobacco, and all of that, it was cheaper for them to go to the store and buy tortillas mm -hmm. than continuing to grow corn and make it themselves. The land that was bought uh, or taken from those from those folks that are doing that agriculture work, did that stay agricultural? Like was it, it like you said, well, corporations was those well, are those like a larger forming corporation or no, is it being repurposed for another use? No. So it wasn't corporations buying the land. It was basically corporations buying the product at a cheaper Oh a cheaper, sure. Got right? it. So for them it was it was just them not getting enough money to put back. Right. So it was literally it was one of those choices. Do we continue doing this? Right. Or do we stop? Because there's there's no end. It was just they were getting indebted more and more, and their product was the little guy undercut by the big guy. Exactly. Got yes. It. Yes. So it's still there. Um, it's literally um, a lot of the people left uh, to the states, and I would have to say, I mean, I don't have exact numbers or in, or there's there's not a study, but I would have to say that the reason that town still exists, and I think this is the same history in a lot of different smaller towns is because of the money that is being sent from here over there. It's keeping it alive. Sure. Uh, so there's there's a, and I'm saying this because there, the, it goes back to the original, the, one of the questions that you mentioned about the border and immigration and just all of that is, it's just really having a deeper discussion around this because it's not just people coming here. There's, there's, there, there's reasons, right? And I can share my, my parents' reasonings um, and what has happened and just kind of like they came here. My, my parents were not dangerous people. Uh, they weren't killing people. They weren't drug dealers or any of that, which is kind of like the premise that is being Yes, I've said, heard that, right? I've heard this premise from right. from certain White Houses. Right, exactly. Um, right, it's like the danger people are coming. Like yeah, I mean, killers, my, the rapists. And my all family this stuff. came for the same reason. Right. You know, my family came from Italy for the same reason. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they were. I don't think they were. I don't know that they. I actually don't know what they did. Like mm -hmm. my, so for me, it would have been my grandparents' parents, mm -hmm. and so it's just like a you know a slightly further back generation yeah. that is also much. <laughs> 
turns out whiter, you know? And um, I mean, at the time also Italian folks were, were viewed as like a menace, you right. know, like that's oh, yeah. not a community sure. that anybody wanted mm-hmm. um, emigrating to the U S and we, we don't, that is, we don't even talk about that anymore. Right. The closest we get to that is like watching the Sopranos and being like, these people are, these people are fucking nuts. You know, like that's the closest we get to that. Right. And I don't think that we think of, like, I'll give that example. I don't think that people think of, like Tony Soprano is like this ultimate, like lovable, like flawed, like he's a murderer. He actually is. That's a character that right. is a murderer. Right. But because he's a white man and, you right. know. Right, it's more acceptable, and, right? And because he's, um, in, you know, his family's, Immigration status has been slightly more generationally diluted. We're talking about things in a really different way. And also, you know, we've always talked about people with uh, more melanin in their skin as if they are less worthy in this country. Right. But but it's just interesting to think about, like, specifically those things Mm -hmm. that are being alleged. Right. Actually, exactly what was alleged. Right. Against specifically Italian people. Mm -hmm. We, uh, that's not even, we don't talk about that anymore. It's almost as if maybe it wasn't, like— one culture just has a full dominance on this thing, and people are coming here for like a bunch of different reasons. Right? No, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, it's just it's, interesting. It's, yes, yeah, gives us something to think about. And really, I don't know. I think this topic is not talked about enough Absolutely. to really to really raise the importance of it. So I think that's why over the years it changes it changes its focus. Like this year is well, at least. Uh, you know, this year is the the the, the Muslim Muslim community, um, our refugee community is getting targeted significantly, um, and I mean here because we do share a border by Mexico, that's always been in the front line, right? Mm-hmm. But I just feel that we need to talk about it really what it really is and the framing of economics as well, because I mean San Diego shares this border that is very profitable, it's one of the busiest borders. And because of the cost of living in California, it's actually a home to a lot of San Diegans. Wait, so, which the is the border is profitable? Tell me how the border is profitable. It, I just don't know this. It, this what is that something means, I should know. Right. Well, the the people crossing both ways, right? There are people that are crossing from Tijuana, Baja California yes. to San Diego to work. And they spend money. Yes. And there's a lot of money that is dropped in San Diego's economy. And then vice versa, the other way around, because of the cost of living in San Diego, a lot of people that are keeping our industries, our economy of life, they crossed over to live over there because they can't afford right. to live in San Diego, right? right? So that that balancing of people coming, they spend, they, they do their work, and then they'll go back or they do their work and they have to go home. And their home happens to be Baja California or Tijuana. So it's just that dynamic, <laughs> right? Oh, uh, man. The, the connectivity of it. And yet we have this narrative that is being created at the federal level by Trump that we should militarize it even more. Right. We should create bigger fences. Right. Why? I mean, it's also, I think, something that you're alluding to there that I really don't think I've ever thought about before, which is, like, shameful to admit, is, like, yeah, yeah, the people that are crossing over, you know, um, and and working here, those people um, buy goods and services. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no fucking shit. Like, right. like you're, I think you're talking right. about no, yes. those a- actual economic participation. Because exactly. you're right, the narrative is very much about as if it's like, 
I mean, and this goes down to whether or not we value people, but it's right. as if it's the money's <laughs> being sunk into nothing as opposed to it's you know being put it back into a system where then people are going to spend the money that they're earning. And some of it might right. be sent. And some of it across, is sent. And some yeah. of it might also be spent. Right. Yep, exactly. And another thing that is specifically interesting to me about San Diego, I mean, I want to talk about other stuff, but I just think it's like such a, it's such a, since we're talking about this, such a, an interesting city because it also has these completely unrelated revenue streams. Like I think about something like Comic-Con or how mm-hmm. successful the events at your convention center are. Yeah. Or, um, you know, the Padres. Like I just think there's a lot going on. We have a lot. The, the, in the this, brewing industry. The, the microbrewing yes, industry. The number one. Also like economy. As a, yeah. Oh, oh, really? Uh, in terms of brewing. Number one. We That actually makes sense to me. Yep. And also um, as a port for like cruises. Mm-hmm. So y'all's, y'all's Where? you know, downtown area is a real mix of yes. different people there for different reasons. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, and and I think, um, and and I don't know why, honestly, I don't know how that's come to be. It's just, it, it's it's what it is. Um, I mean, you mentioned the convention center and being Comic Con, and which is, I mean, if you ever go during that time, it's 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 it transforms the city. Yeah, I've, I've the been. whole city. It's the, the it whole transforms city, the yes. whole city, which is really interesting. Um, uh, and, and it's good. It's, it's good energy, actually. It's great energy during that time, that week. But it, it, it's just, or when we have the cruise ships that are coming, which are massive cruise ships, you see them and they're just there, right? So it's just, and it, it revolves constantly. Mm-hmm. We have these like different things going on. And it, it, it's, it's an interesting environment in which we have created. I think that that creates a healthy economy, actually, because we're not just solely dependent on one thing, um, but it also we you made reference to military and the tourism industry. I mean, the Comic Con, the 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 cruise ships, all of that is is really uh, maximizing more tourism or natural environment and all of that. But because of that, we also have a huge market of employees that are working in this industry, which is great. But a lot of these jobs are minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also some, you know, something to talk about because we do, we have like this very wealthy industries yes. and then we have a wealthy industry, but within the job markets, it's, it's not, it's not enough for people to earn enough to, to be able to survive. Absolutely. So the, the, which also all ties back to when you're, you know, speaking of undocumented immigrants or documented mm-hmm. In- mm-hmm. immigrants, anytime you have a massive booming tourism industry where there's like high turnover like you're talking about especially that also means it's not just minimum wage jobs it's also like a ton of service position Mm -hmm. jobs that might be the kinds of jobs that that um are positioned for you know an immigrant population to i want to say like Utilize. I also want to say be exploited by, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's a lot yeah, of different things happening. Frame it, yeah, yeah. No, you can frame it whichever way, yeah. right? But it's also an industry that is very wealthy. I mean, sure. there's a lot of money in the tourism industry. So it's just a matter of creating better, better checks and balances. And the way that it's been managed so far, actually the tourism industry, and I saw it and I continue to see it, but I think that's changing because of the politics in San Diego. But they have influenced significantly the rules that have been created 
over the years and how they're going to be managed or lack of um, where their their profits stay with the top, right? And uh-huh. then, uh, sure. I mean, we, we had a fight to increase sure. the minimum wage not that long ago. We were successful, but it got challenged by that same industry, right? And it got placed in the ballot. Uh, it got voted, and so the, the voters supported the increase of the minimum wage. But the fact that we had to take it to the ballot because they had the, the resources to do that forced the city council to do that, and because we have, we had a mayor, we still have the same mayor that didn't support the increase of the minimal wage. With, with the re- really? Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, but 2020 is coming. It's yeah, that's change. right. That's right. Uh, it's going to change. And, and the politics are changing significantly. I mean, I got elected. I was not supposed to get elected in 2016. I got outspent three to one. Mm. Um and the first openly queer Latina elected to the city council. I was born in this very underserved community, so I'm 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 this I'm a story that normally doesn't happen often, and and like in 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 politics, right, right. But my roots before getting elected as a community organizer that really was that was like our our magic bullet in getting elected because mm-hmm. we utilized. Um, we we utilized all the connections that I have connected over the years and really pulled it together. So really, that's what did it. And I had enough money to deliver the message, but we were able to do that. But the tourism industry, the building, the the building industry, the uh, even the police um, organizations, they all spent tons of money against me because. They didn't want because there's there's there was this fight of we still want to control what happens at City Hall, right? Sure. And by me coming in, I'm I'm not I'm not the I'm I'm not somebody that's going to be uh, influenced or directed by them, right? Um, it's it's the community members, it's the people that have sent me there. It's the reason why I ran, and uh, and, and that's changing. I mean, I got elected, we won. And then soon after, I got elected to lead the council. That was pretty significant. That is significant. Um, you must be really proud. I'm definitely proud. And I think about that just because it's, it's you know, just even the little things, right? Just we're breaking barriers. And, and I think that's really significant in an era that is just so, so we got so much work to do. Well, so. San Diego is also, again, and please correct me if I'm, but it's a pretty conservative area, a pretty conservative City has been my experience of being there for with um well I'm gonna say this the white people in San Diego are pretty conservative. Yeah. Um, because I feel like it's a place that I always it's always interesting to me like um when a city, you know, because I'm a stand-up comic by trade, and when a city like when I when I cannot figure out where their like hip audience is, whenever mm-hmm. I play San Diego, I always have like a little bit of a challenging time. Um, I do have some people I really love to perform for. There's always, like, a heavy military presence at my shows, Mm -hmm. queer folks that are in the military. Mm -hmm. Fucking love to see them. It's so awesome to, like, provide a member of the armed forces with, like, an opportunity to laugh. And it makes me feel really um, trusted that they would come. But then I Mm -hmm. also feel like it's it's always, like, sort of an undersold show. And I think that there's something going on with – you know, like I'm not a Latinx person, so like I maybe I'm not the ticket that the folks in that 
demographic are looking to buy. Yeah. And, um, and the white people kind of don't want to come see me do jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 I mean, definitely. I, I think we, the, the environment at San Diego is a little bit funky. Yeah. Um, it really is. I mean, you come doing pride. It's, it's, we're out. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, sure. it's, it's festive. It's good times. Um, and uh, outside of that, it just feels like we we go to sleep, literally, right? Yes. It's like during these moments, we're there. Comic-Con, we're there. We're all happy. And then we go away. And it's the same thing. And I think Comic-Con and Pride are like a week apart. So it's just like there's like this month of like so much happening and then it's dark. What do you think that is? I don't where, know. Where, what, is I don't know. Hi- what is with the hibernating queer population of San Diego? San Diego. I know. That's a question <laughs> we ask. That's that. You know, when I was in college, um, me and my friends, uh, one of my good friends uh, was a DJ. And uh, we were trying to, and she's Latinx. We were trying to, like, create this night at, at a club for for POCs, for people of color, queer people of color to come and like, you know, have a good time. And uh, it was good. Uh, we didn't, it, it was popular at the beginning and people were coming. We're like, yes, we did it, right? And then just a couple of months later, it just started like diluting and people started not coming out. That's really interesting. So it's just like, what is it? And it's, it's. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Do you feel I, like you have, a, oh, sorry, go no, ahead. No, I was just going to say maybe it's, you know, we have lost a lot of the younger folks or mm. that are leaving to L.A. or to the Bay Area, to New York, um, and and we're staying with the older population. Like, I don't know. I really don't know what it is. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Do you feel like you have a queer community in San Diego? <sighs> Do I have a queer... I have a... I definitely have a, 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 a circle of folks... But it's not, uh, you know, sometimes you have this, like, this fantasy of, like, a bigger community that, you know. I know this fantasy. Right? I, I know the one the, you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Still waiting you walk for that. In, everybody's yes. like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're here. Yes, it's exactly. all of us. You yes. know all of us. Exactly. Yeah. I don't have that yet. Well, that's <laughs> funny. There. That's so, funny because, you know, I could imagine that your job is like, you know, well, let me just, you are. Are you currently on the city council? Or yes. Are you the only queer person? No. no, 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 no. Actually, it's interesting because a we have the majority from the from the council members. We have a majority Democratic, uh, so we have six council members that are d- Democrats. 
we have, so out of the six, five are females. Um, and then, so there's one male. There are three LGBTQ members of our community that are council members. Myself, uh, Jane Campbell, and then Chris Ward. Uh, right now, this is the biggest that we have ever seen in the council. Um, and then we have two Republicans and one independent. <laughs> they just turned independent. And, and we have a Repu- Republican mayor. The person who just turned independent, what were they? Bef- were they Republican Republicans? Republicans, yeah. Republican. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's an, that's an interesting— He still acts pretty Republican. <laughs> so I'm still yet to see his independence. Um, okay. I mean, I would just imagine—I was going to say that I would imagine that, like, your job might have you feeling like you're one of few people. But it sounds like, actually, no, that's we not have the case. A, we, it's, it's interesting. Let's go back to San Diego's conservative, right? Um, and we all think the Bay Area, super gay— but if we really think about it in terms of San Diego, I mean, we have three LGBTQ, openly LGBTQ electeds right now sitting on the city council. We have one in Encinitas, a council member in Encinitas. We have another one in Chula Vista. Um, and I can't, I, I'm sure we have others. And then at the state level, San Diego has our state senator pro tem Tony Atkins, who's openly lesbian. Um, then we have assembly member Todd Gloria. So we have a pretty big elected um, representation. We have more electeds that are openly LGBTQ from San Diego than anywhere else in California, than the Bay Area, huh. which is really interesting uh, because people would think the Bay Area what has What the, the heck highest. is going on in I San know, Diego? Right? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I um, don't know. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's talk about the fact that you're um, running for Congress. Yeah. And what what caused that for you? What what put you in that mindset? Yeah. So a couple of things happened. One was um, I was getting ready to uh, open up my, well, actually, I opened it up, uh, getting ready to set my re-election campaign. And uh, one of the questions that I was asked um, by my team is, because my re-election wasn't going to be too difficult. Um, so we were trying to figure, okay, what are we going to do with that space, right? So we were playing with some ideas. I wanted to do maybe targeted low propensity voters to try to increase the voting participation, talk about issues. And then the other question that my campaign manager asked is like, okay, that's all great. We can do all of that. But where do you want to go, right? Started asking me that question. And I never really thought about it. Um, so I just figure you do your job, you do your work, you represent, and then, you know, the next phase will, will, will come. Right. So he asked me, and so I, uh, I told him, okay, well, let me think about it. What, what, what's next? So just in terms of issues and in terms of where I wanted to go on issues, it, it, I told them, look, I want to go to, I want to go to Washington, DC. I want to run for Congress. I don't know what the path was. Um, or when, but I told them that's that's what I want to do um, because I want to work on immigration issues. I want to work on, you know, providing better support for our refugee community. I want to work on income inequality. I want to work on the climate crisis in a bigger scale. So there's all these issues that I really wanted to tackle in a bigger in a bigger way, more intentional way, um, and I knew that that was the place to go for that. 
So I told them that's where I want to go. But I know for a fact that there's no path because we don't know, right, what's going to happen. So then a couple of months later, um, Congresswoman Susan Davis, early September of 2019, she announces that she's not seeking reelection and she's been there for 20 years. So uh, that was a big deal for San Diego. So everybody that is a current elected, we were all trying to figure out, okay, who's going to who's going to jump in, who's going to do it for the right reasons. Right. So uh, I, I was thinking about it because I said it not that long ago. So here it is. <laughs> uh, two months later, here's here. I mean, you asked for it. Here it is. So I definitely had to think about it and talk to my loved ones, talk to my team. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do it, you know, and especially, I mean, everybody says it's, it's, it's more critical now than ever, but a lot of the issues that I really want to, that I want to work on have been issues that have been, have been uh, kicked um, and just pass on for many, many decades. I mean, yes, they're, they're, they're more critical now than ever. But it's not like it's been an issue now, right? Because of Trump. Absolutely. So, but I, I won't. That's a, I want to stop you on that for yeah. a second because I think that's a really good point that mm-hmm. is, I mean, I think we're seeing this like a little bit less now, but not, it's not totally gone. The people that are um, so surprised, like the surprise factor of mm-hmm. like, for instance, his stances on things or um, how he operates in the world. I don't mean like, being surprised by I think it's fair to be surprised by the way he conduct himself conducts himself conducts in public him. mm-hmm. because that seems genuinely new and across mm-hmm. a border that we've never seen right. in the presidency. I mean, like we have that, a president that is governing through phone, like that's right? that's like insane. Like, um yeah, so his his presentation of himself, the way he conducts himself is like is is bonkers. It's mm-hmm. it's bonkers and it's like it's unseen. I also feel like we've had um other politicians who've behaved that way. We've just never had a president that behaved that way. Like right. that that was that um I mean he's just like he's so He's an apologetic but very offensive, right? Yes. And also he's, he's just, so yes and he's also so like he's just so good at being um a talking point. Like he's so good at deflecting and mm-hmm. being yeah, but but all of that aside, um, you know, this is these are none none of the issues he's espousing. Mm-hmm. He is the creator of. He's no. just like actually kind of a lazy, right? Uh, you know, person who's sort of latched onto. Like I think about something like, for instance, like abortion, where mm-hmm. it's just like I don't even feel that there's one part of his body that even is pro life. Like I actually. I feel like this may have factored into his personal life in ways we don't know yet. But, I would imagine but, so. Um, I agree with you. But, you know, he just latches onto issues in a, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But um, these issues have been going on for a long time. And yeah. I wonder, I just wonder as like a person of color what it feels like to hear people talk about stuff like it is just – now an issue. Something like the border, especially mm-hmm. with your family. Yeah. You know, you're like my parents came over. This has probably been an issue in your life your whole life. Yeah, and then most definitely. now as a sort of, you know, from CNN's perspective, this has like just cropped up or right. whatever. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? You know, this is a it, it's um, it's an interesting question because you're the first one that has actually asked it. Oh. Yes. Uh, seriously. So yes. Uh, good for you. Um, no, it's a, it's a, 
it's a frustrating thing just because if it just it does feel like oh let's look under the rug oh look at all the crap we have to deal with now right yeah and it just feels like that right now but if you think about it i mean um you know p- uh issues that people of color communities have been facing historically right it's 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 always been there and the fact that now i think it's bleeding into the um, uh, how to say it politically correct? The, it, now it's bleeding into uh, impacting um, the, the the white people, really. White consciousness? Yes. It's, 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 now it's like, oh, my God, right? Yeah. Which I guess we need that. We, we need right. that just in terms of making it, make the issue rise up. Mm-hmm. But it just, it, it's a moment to pause and really think think about it, reflect on that, right? I didn't see it, but I did see clips of it. And I know that right now there's like this this uh, outreach by certain members of the community. And then, then there's others that are like, yes, good for them. The Super Bowl uh, entertainment that, um, um, what's your name? Are you talking Sakura? about J-Lo and Shakira? Yeah. It's creating this kind of like, oh my God, that's not feminist, right? Or it's like good for them. They're like, pushing forward this like political agenda and they did it settle with subtleties uh-huh. in it, right? Like having a child in, in the cage, acknowledge that that really is, that's happening right now. Yes. Right. But yet the outreach is how dare they do this thing. Right. And like, I know, like, so it, it's just an interesting and a lot of the people that are saying questioning it in a negative way are white people. Right. That, that's so specific. It's, yeah. it's an interesting specific environment that we continue one. to. Yes. No. And it makes Super me grab the size of my face because <laughs> it is a little funny. I don't know. I, I did. I like feel like I'm, I like I really didn't see that backlash coming and like really felt like that was hard for me to predict. Right. And because I just felt like, wait, you're confused that J-Lo is wearing this. Have you ever. Right. Exactly. Seen anything she's ever like. <laughs> That's like, like you hire someone off of LinkedIn, they show up, they look exactly like their headshot. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what we've got in here. This is, this is no, there's no catfishing. No, no, Um, not at all. And I, I mean, to me, I, I also can't believe that's what we were stuck on because for me, the much, like what I, what I was much more moved by was that, um, like Big Bunny and I can't remember the name of the other, that there was, there was, there were large, uh, there was Spanish Mm -hmm. for like, full you know whatever that was a full minute or something and like i i just think i was imagining the you know the households that turn that tune into the super bowl and like Like, you know the people like plugging their ears like no you know because (laughs) i know right it's pretty cool very very right in their faces yeah it was pretty cool but, but it's it's just um it's it's I think what we're seeing now is historical racism that has occurred for for many 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 years that are surfacing. They're they're coming up. Yeah, and we're being forced for the better or the negative. We're being forced to actually acknowledge and hopefully have a real conversation to try to move forward. Yeah, because if we continue just to put them under the rug, it just doesn't work. It never has and never will. And right. We really need to acknowledge. And I think our government system was created in a way that it was not inclusive, even though it claims to be inclusive. Oh, yeah. 
right? Yes. So now it's 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 time. It really is. Right. Exactly. I mean, fear and and um, stoking fear mm-hmm. um, is a great way of continuing white supremacy. And I, mm-hmm. you know, part of what seems to be happening right now, from my vantage point, is that the internet has like it. Sometimes you have to jump the borders between. I mean, because I grew up in Chicago, there's not a border wall there, but it's the the, the north side is massively white mm-hmm. and the south side is massively black. Mm-hmm. And then there is, there are neighborhoods that are Mexican or neighborhoods that are mm-hmm. Puerto Rican. The west side is also very black. There is like a, it's a very segregated city, right? And I just think that growing up, I might not have driven you know, this far south mm-hmm. of this particular street. But on Twitter, I can see what's happening in that neighborhood. And I, I think it's really, I think for white people who have been um, trapped by fear because mm-hmm. of white supremacy, it has given us an opportunity, the internet has got given us an opportunity to see what is happening in places that we fear so much. Right. And for people that we fear so much. Right. And um, we're taught to fear. Mm-hmm. And, and that's some of what is going on with this, like, very initial acknowledgement that like anything might be fucked up about this country. Right. <laughs> like, no, just, just the beginning of an acknowledgement. I, I know, right? Which is good. I, I think it's, yeah. it's going to be painful, but I think we're we're starting to to see that, and I think it's time. Yeah. yeah. I also want to ask you. So this is a this is like a. I'm curious as to what you'll think of this question. All right. But um, you know, so let's say your campaign goes amazing, <laughs> and then now you're a congressperson. Um, I think about like I look at what you're wearing, and I think mm-hmm. about like myself when I'm trying to be in a professional setting, and sometimes I can feel a little uncomfortable because I cannot blend easily mm-hmm. with um, heteronormative yeah. goals for like what a woman should wear to mm-hmm. the office. So like I just ended up choosing a job where like I essentially never have to wear anything that's appropriate for the office. (laughs) Um, But for you, you know, I'm imagining in your role now Mm -hmm. and, you know, definitely as a congressperson also, you have to figure out how to present yourself professionally. And I just see some like masculinity in your presentation. And I'm curious about whether that's difficult for you, whether you feel comfortable walking into a room, like where are you on that? Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, I'm I'm comfortable being myself, and uh, I've always actually even when I when I first ran, um, I was being told, "Oh, you should, you should do this or do that, or wear this and grow right. your hair." Like there's it's so the whole many, thing. The oh, like it's, the, like it's, it's definitely the whole thing. Wear yeah. wear makeup. Um, I have plugs. Take off your plugs, and there's like all like the, the spectrum of opinions are all there. There's this expe- expectation. Um, I've decided from the beginning that, you know, just by me entering into the field of being a candidate was very like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it under my my rules. Yeah. And uh, I need to be, I, 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 there's, there's a piece of me that I don't want to let go of who I am as a person and what I believe in and how I see myself. And there are other times that, yeah, I'll wear like real suits and things like that um, where I'm okay with that. But there's still like, I will not take off my plugs. <laughs> that is a whole, that like, specifically is really interesting. Right. I, I mean, because you're wearing headphones right now. I didn't realize that when I walked in. Mm-hmm. 
That is super interesting for an elected official. Oh, yeah. Like, cause you're, cause for folks that can't see, you're talking about like a, you have like the a gauge, gauge in your yeah. ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not big, but it's it's significant. Yeah. Than than regular earrings, right? Right. So that's unusual, and uh, for me, it's just more of just trying to um, tell regular people that are that it is achievable. That when people do things with the right intentions and the right commitments to community and community change. You can do it. It's not easy. And, you know, there's not like this easy path and and at all, but you just got to believe you got to believe that you can do it. And you got to believe that it's going to be a hell of a job to be able to do it and get it. But it's just a matter of not letting go of that belief. And and yeah, so how comfortable am I? I mean, I'm as comfortable as it is in being in a room full of men that make a lot of decisions. It's like, <laughs> you just got to do it, you know? Really, seriously, you just got to do it. If we are going to be shifting and creating and, and turning this whole thing upside down, we got to be there. And we got to be comfortable with that. And it doesn't matter what one is wearing or any of that. It's just... Here, here we are, and we're going to do this. I mean, I love That's, that. Yeah, I will take some of that if you'll, there you go. if you'll, no, please, if you'll slide it across the table. <laughs> um, can I ask why? When? How long have you had your ears gauged? Uh, my gauge. I had them since I started in. I think um, either my senior year in, in high school. So my entire college career, um, and since now. So it's been a while. It's been a, a while, at least a decade, Are not they, longer. When you, for you, does it, what part of your identity does that speak to? That speaks to, uh, so part of what I do as well in terms of my spirituality is I, I do Aztec dancing. Oh, I don't so, know. Oh, I, that's amazing. Yeah. I did. I, that's awesome. <laughs> Tell me. Yes. So, so uh, what, what, what is that? That's uh a form of people see it as an entertainment, but it's actually spir- spiritual yes, for us. The people that yes. are doing it, there's a sense of, I mean, it's it's my, like my religion almost. Right. But it's a form of connecting with the creator and, uh, and there's a cultural connection as well. Yes. And you see that, I mean, Plaza uh, Olvera, I'm sure that you see Aztec dancers there. Um, so yes, I have, I have a friend who has gauged yours for the same reason, but I I didn't know. I was like curious as, yeah. So so tell me, so it's tied to all of that. So I, I've been doing that for, for quite a while. It's my, my form of identity as well in terms of connecting with uh, me being, uh, Chicana, uh, living right at the border, um, and growing up with a traditional Mexican parents. So just trying to balance all of that. Wow. Um, really led to, I have a brother and a sister that are both older. So my brother got into Aztec dancing early on. So he introduced me to it and they just kind of transformed how I connected at a personal level. So I, I've been doing Danza Azteca for quite a while already. So a form of our, our spirituality, at least, I mean, it can be debated, but for me, my gauges are, it's a significance of who I am uh, in terms of my culture, but also um, there's a belief that when you enter into the spirit world, that means when you die, you go into the spirit world, the passage of your earlobes is your passage to the spirit world. 
So there's a connectivity to all of that. It's not just gauges for wow. the purposes of, of, of having my ears stretched and having cool earrings. I had like a feeling that there was going to be an answer like that. And that <laughs> um, that just makes me, you know, I, even as you're beginning to talk about somebody suggesting that you take your gauges out, mm-hmm. I was thinking about, you know, it's like the... It's the equivalent of like the cut your dreadlocks mm-hmm. before you go in for this job interview or, or whatever oh, it is. Yes. And um, so that's another thing that I think to your point, you know, when we don't see people that are like this is this is just normative for mm-hmm. you. You know, right. when we don't see people who are living their normative life that's in an authentic way. And so right. we see the one that's like shaped the for, for mm-hmm. a different lens. Um we can miss entirely the that like these are like that that's a spiritual thing for you that it's based on you know your faith your spirituality or mm-hmm. like that's that's amazing and right. should never come out of your ears right. for somebody else's purposes right to make people comfortable right? exactly no yeah and i think this is this is the 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 i think you're you're alluding to it's just uh, the fact that we have these notions of what normality is mm-hmm. right and this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, and we miss the opportunity to really understand each other for who we are as people, right? I think that's, we we, we got to do a little bit more of that, a lot more of that. Absolutely. Yes. And when you're dancing, um, I just don't know the answer to this. Is that, are you doing this like publicly or is this, like, is it with a group of people or are you... It, it, it all depends. Uh, so of? there's it, there's like so many different groups out there, um, and some groups do it differently than others. There's not like a normal way of doing it. So our group um, decided that we were going to do it for the purposes of of, of empowering others that might want to do um, that danza azteca. So we do a lot of performances, or, or we share the danza with some high schoolers or just trying to get them connected um, because there's there's just so much disconnection of, of, of our youth and our young ones and everybody, even adults, right, that we've just been so caught in the survival day to day that you yeah. disconnect, that you lose that little piece of who we are. So we do a lot of presentations. We share the 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 dance uh, azteca we talk about it a lot of educational uh, discussions that we do um, we do our own ceremonies um, and uh, we don't do a lot of because there's some some groups that will do performances for pay to support their ceremonies nothing I mean that's what they choose to do uh, we don't do a lot we don't do that we do mainly for just sharing and trying to bring others into the full. Um, and, uh, and, and just also sharing what it is to people that might not want to come into the fold, but they're curious of mm-hmm. what is it? Because some people think of it, think of it when you're seeing it as an entertainment, mm-hmm. it really isn't because it's just a form of connecting or grounding yourself of doing your, your piece of prayer at that moment. And if you don't know it, you see it as entertainment. So we try to talk about it and 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 describe what's going on and what is it for and things like that. So we do a lot of high schools, a lot of uh, conferences, and then we do our own thing in our you know during yeah. our ceremonial moments. I have to say, I think that's you know I know you're not doing this for me, but I think that that's pretty rad because I'm imagining for the people that are 
seeing you in like an educational capacity mm-hmm. like you're talking about that that would I think that would really impact me if I saw an elected official mm-hmm. doing something that was important to them mm-hmm. that wasn't something I you know I feel like again it really speaks to what we were just talking about about the like sort of shaving off of the edges that mm-hmm. so many people running for office do where it's like literally nobody can have any hobbies except for going to like right. a very specific type of Christian church right um and I guess the closest thing I and this is I hope this doesn't come off as offensive because I know this is, wasn't a spiritual practice. But, like, I think about when we would see pictures of, like, President Obama mm-hmm. playing basketball mm-hmm. and just be like, oh, this is a human. There's you a know? human, human like aspect that, yeah. that, that there's somebody who has something going on mm-hmm. in their life besides putting this suit on. Right. I think that, that is – it's really um, – I think that's really impactful. Mm-hmm. And so – I'm sure that you have been that for some folks, just in having something going on in your life. Yeah, that isn't just going to work, right? Going to work or going to events after event after right. event, right? And then being there for five minutes and then you right. jump off. No, I think I, I mean I've been very intentional on how I carry myself and also how I try to not lose myself in the politics because it's so easy to like just get ingrained in the politics and the 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 hype. Uh, going from event to event and just being b- being catered to. It's so super, super easy to do that. I literally, when I made my decision of running and continue to run for, for another office now, I have tried to like be grounded and just not, not, not lose that part of who I am. It's really important. And I even told some of my closest friends and even my partner, to pull me back or like slap me a little bit if, if I ever get out of context in terms of, okay, you're going far, right? Just because I just don't want that. I, I, I feel like once I do that, there's a little bit of me that I'm doing it for the wrong reasons now. And it's, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do what I'm doing. I'm, I'm taking it so seriously. Like and we are policymakers, elected to our policymakers that impact so many people's lives. We don't even, sometimes people don't understand that elected, we, we do a lot. Um, a lot of decisions that are impacting your cost of living, your quality of the air that you're breathing, the food that you eat, the water that you're drinking. You know, it's like we touch a lot of things. And uh, it's 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 significant. I take that responsibility real like it's a real responsibility for me to try to get it correctly. Is it perfect? No, it's it, it isn't. But I'm always mindful of, OK, we have a lot of people in California living in the streets. Why is it? It's not because we don't have enough money. Yeah. Right. It's it's I, I was getting reminded by someone that said, look, you know, poverty People living in the streets, that's a man, man-made problem. We can resolve it if we really want it, it to. So it's just a matter of like really pushing on issues that at times are not as important. Like the people that are living in the streets, I can tell you that a lot of elected officials, it's not, it doesn't matter. Because they're not going to give to your election. Right. Or they might not even vote, right? And electeds, you know, react. For two reasons. One, how big is your check and will you vote, right? So when we're talking about people that do neither, they don't matter. 
Wow. But for me, it matters because they're human beings. I still see them as human and they matter and we need to do more. So, Well, you're a, you're a very impressive person. And <laughs> one thing you. that I have enjoyed the most about this last hour is that you seem to like yourself and feel comfortable with yourself. And that's like a, that's a rare thing. And I hope that you, I hope, I hope you have a lot of continued success Thank and you. that you stayed just like this. Cause Thank this you. is pretty fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, and like offline, let's talk about policies to deal with. Homelessness. Oh yeah. Cause when you brought that up at the very beginning, I was like, what are the solutions? <laughs> Tell me what ABC and D are. Anyway, um, before I send you back into yeah. your day, cause I know you're busy is, um, I would like to ask you to shout out a queero, a person, yes. place or thing that made you feel like you could be who you are today. Yes. My uh, queero, um, Gloria Sandua is somebody that was very powerful when I came across her work and just her words and herself and how she, carried herself it's it's i give her a shout out she awesome. did a lot for me awesome well i cannot wait to see you um in washington dc at your new job nice i'll yeah. be over <laughs> awesome cheers thank you 